With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going down, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Commander Ad Populum. Together, we are Commander for the people, by the people, for the people. My name is Ryan. This is episode 75. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you today. We've got a little community section, kind of just a preview to a couple of things I'm looking for for the next couple weeks. How I mentioned, we're doing a few of those wellness episodes. So I want to I want to get started with some of that and some of what that's going to look like. We're going to do a technical section on the abilities that were released in the Cold Snap expansion, the final set in the Ice Age block way back from 1996. Skip ahead to 2006. That's when that was released. And then, of course, we're going to look at the Cold Snap set. But before we do, big thank you to FusionGamingOnline.com your source for all your gaming needs, and official sponsors of the show. Great guys to work with. If you listen to Commander Cookout or watch them on YouTube, you probably do. That's probably how you found this show, so thank you. We just entered into a new partnership, sponsorship with Fusion over on CCO, so super exciting to work with those guys. Lots of fun. Great team that's actually legitimately wants us to take our content creation to the next step, so it's exciting. But you can hear all about that on Commander Cookout and the Commander Cookout YouTube channel. Fine. Next big shout out. All of the Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash cadpopcast. We've got an increased pledge from Ben Weber. Ben, thank you very much. Appreciate the continued support. New pledge from Roxanne Bonafant. Got a couple alters on the go for Roxanne. Thanks for hopping on to support me. Cards are going to look great. Final shout out. Glenn Runyon. Big thank you. And... Glenn and I have started a, a recent deck project as well, and it's cool because it's an it's an actual Animar deck, my second Animar deck that I'm doing, and it's an Eldrazi Animar, so it's quite a bit different than my deck. Uh, Animar kind of affords its builder the opportunity to take it down many different paths, and this is an exciting one because it's Eldrazi, and I super appreciate not only the Patreon support, but the altered art support. I am completely booked up until into September at this point, so... I can't express how happy that makes me. And that's a little bit what I'm going to be talking about in the community section today. Kind of just how I balance and, and how anybody, I think, how anybody could balance or should balance kind of work and life and different recreational activities. So let's get into it right now, I guess, for, for lack of a better time to do it. And remember, if you want to chime in at CAD Popcast on Twitter, send me a message through the Commander Ad Populum Facebook page, or just shoot an email off to cadpopcast at gmail.com. Sometimes topics like today 
require a little bit of a longer formed, more thought out kind of point of contact and email is still great for that even though it's kind of the the slowest one for me to get back to you on but today I want to I want to open up the curtain a little bit and talk to you guys about and I joke about it now but games at one point in my life I joke with Rebecca I joke that games Diablo 2 in particular the computer game from like the early 2000s gaming ruined my life twice I can joke about it now I can say that I was, air quotes, I was addicted to Diablo, right? And I was younger, less responsibilities, a little bit more, less mature. I was no good or had no skills in separating the things that I liked to do from the things that I had to do. My responsibilities, my schooling, my commitments to family, significant other, chores, when I was living at home, etc. Now that I'm older and I've got, you know, my own mortgage and a wife and a young kid and a job, and now... from a mental health standpoint, it actually behooves me. It's very beneficial for me to separate my recreational activities from my work and from everything else. Most importantly, really, my work from everything else, especially because remember I mentioned a couple weeks ago that my work and my recreational recreational activities are the same thing. My work is producing content for magic and altering cards and buying and selling cards online and sending magic cards in the mail. And my recreational activities is hopping online and reading about magic and watching magic videos and hanging out with the dude bros and getting on VEDH whenever my internet doesn't suck. So now that I recognize that my work and my hobby are essentially the same thing, it's very important for me to get up in the morning, schedule, send emails, start working, get a bunch accomplished in the morning to make myself really feel good, to set myself up for the day. I crawl my butt out of bed and I get something done. And I know not everybody has the the good fortune or the opportunity to work from home, but even just getting out of getting out of bed in the morning and making your significant other breakfast or getting up, sweeping the floor, putting clothes away, brush your teeth, whatever it is, get out of bed, get something accomplished because it's going to make you feel good. And a little bit when we get into more of the kind of mental wellness and work-life recreation balance in, in coming weeks, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. But I kind of just want to set the stage for setting yourself up for success. Do things that are going to make it easier for you to succeed. There's all kinds of roadblocks and hurdles and dead ends everywhere you go and every walk and every avenue of life. And everything that we do, especially these days, is hard. So if we can do stuff that just makes random things easier, that's going to be, it's going to allow us to be successful more often or more successful when it's a succeed or fail type thing. It's going to be less mentally taxing, less physically taxing in some, some scenarios. So I guess the message of the day is just do things to set yourself up for success. If you schedule, you're going to be able to fit more into your day or you're going to be more organized. You're going to forget less stuff. If you get up in the morning and have an actual nutritious breakfast, you're going to make thinking and functioning easier throughout the morning. Make life easier that gives yourself a better chance to have success. So that's what I wanted to say today. We're going to talk about it more in the next couple weeks. But right now we're skipping ahead to the couple of abilities that were released in the Cold Snap expansion. Those abilities recover and ripple just after this.
All right, recover the first ability from Cold Snap. I don't know if I've ever seen ever a recover card in Commander, but we're gonna cover it because we gotta know this. Recover is a keyword ability that lets a player return a card from their graveyard to their hand. And this is rule 702.58. Recover is an ability that functions only while a card with recover is in a player's graveyard. And it's written as recover cost, whatever the cost is, means whenever a creature is put into a graveyard, into our graveyard from the battlefield, we can pay the cost. If we do return that card from our graveyard to our hand, otherwise exile the recover card. So we have something with, with recover in our graveyard. We have a creature die. We pay the recover cost right then and there. We get the card back. If we don't, that recover card, it's out of here. You only get one chance. And after the card with recover is put into your graveyard, any creature put into your graveyard from the battlefield causes the recovered ability to trigger. So it's going to trigger. You can respond to it. Let's say you can pay, play like a ritual card to make mana if you don't have any, for example. When the ability resolves, you either pay the mana and do get it back, or you don't and it's exiled. If a creature with recover is put into your graveyard, it doesn't cause its own recover ability to trigger, so don't worry about that. And then if multiple creatures are put into your graveyard at the battlefield from the battlefield at the same time, the recover ability of the card already in your graveyard triggers that many times. I don't know if that's relevant for anything. I don't know if there's anything that says like, that affects like something triggering a whole bunch of times. I, I just can't think of anything off the top of my head about that right now. So that's recover. I think just for posterity, we'll cover it in the set retro. We'll find a card that has recover and I'll give you an example, but uh, I don't know. The next one is ripple and ripple actually has a very famous card and a very expensive card. And I think yeah, it's funny. I think the very famous and expensive one is the only one that sees play in commander. So Ripple is denoted as Ripple N. N is their number, their, their number. It could be any number. And what that means is when you cast this spell, you may reveal the top N cards of your library. You may cast any revealed cards with the same name as this spell without paying their mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library. So this is rule 702.59, the next rule after recover, actually. If you reveal cards from your library this way, you may cast those cards with the same name as this spell without paying their mana cost. And you put the rest into your graveyard, like I already said. If a spell has multiple instances of ripple, each trigger separately. So that's kind of cool. That's relevant. Now, you, you might be wondering, okay, why, why is Ripple relevant in Commander when you have to cast cards with the same names? Well, the, the card that I'm talking about is called Thrumming Stone. Maybe it's the only card that has Ripple. I don't know. We'll see in the set retro. I don't remember. I know that's, that Thrumming Stone is the card. You play Thrumming Stone in a deck where you can play any number of cards, and those cards are Relentless Rats, Rat Colony, Persistent Petitioners, Shadowborn Apostles, you could play it with Seven Dwarves. Those are the cards that allow you to break the one-of rule in, in Commander. So this card always is steadily climbing because it never gets a reprint because it has a really weird ability in Ripple. But all of the Rats decks and the Shadowborn Apostles decks want this card because you cast your Rat and you reveal you know the top whatever cards your library and you can cast all the next Rats and the next Rats and the next Rats and there's st statistically a number of Rats in your deck or Apostles in your deck that if you flip over the top four statistically you will hit at least one of them a certain percentage of the time and you can dig through your whole deck and it's a combo card in those decks. 
So that one's expensive. It's probably never going to get a reprint. I'm sure foils are ridiculous. When we cover Thrumming Stone in the set proper and the set retro proper, we'll definitely, definitely talk about it. And speaking of the set proper, let's, I guess, let's get to it right now. We are talking about Cold Snap. This is a nostalgic set for me. It was released when I wasn't actively playing Magic in between the years of kind of the middle of Kamigawa and the maybe Shadowmoor. When Shadowmoor was being released was when I was coming back into Magic. So I missed this one, but when I went over cards and reviewed things and found out all that I missed, I saw that Cold Snap was released and it had a lot of the same names and same flavor as the cards from Ice Age and Alliances. And it turns out that this was actually the completion of that block. So they brought back things like Cumulative Upkeep, which we've covered in the Ice Age set retro. They reworked a bunch of the themes. They completed the story. They gave legendary cards, legendary cards to a lot of the characters that were iconic throughout the history of Magic that used to be on like Dominary during the Ice Age after the Brothers War. So really cool flavor. I was happy that this was a thing to come back to because kind of that Ice Age era was when I first got into Magic. So lots of nostalgia there for me. Cold Snap marks the 39th Magic expansion and was released on... July 21, 2006. So this is an old set. Like it's got the modern card frame. It's got updated rules for cumulative upkeep. It's I don't think these cards are old because I played from way before then. But this is getting old. Like it's 2020. This set's 14 years old. Some people who play Magic at the LGS that I go to weren't even born when this is out. And this is like in my mind is like a modern set. It's just funny. Maybe I'm just old. So 155 cards in the set. This was a small set and it was in standard at the same time. So it was like an ek as whatever other standard cards were in the set. And it was like an extra set in that standard environment. And I remember coming back and hearing stories about, you know, the extra cards and weird mechanics that were in standard at the time. It led to this control deck and there was, you know, 100, 150 extra cards in there normally was in standard. So just a little interesting little piece of trivia or whatever. It was just an extra set and standard at the time. Looking at some of the cycles so we can shortcut the the set retro proper a little bit. There was enemy colored hosers like Flash Freeze and Deathmark and Carpluse and Strider. And those were reminiscent of old school cards from way back in the day. The color hosers, the basic land hosers from Ice Age and older all the way back to Legends and, and Alpha and Beta where they printed stuff that countered, you know, the, the the green enchantment that countered a black spell and vice versa. So they brought that kind of stuff back with this to give it that kind of retro nostalgic feel. And a lot of the names on cards really felt like that too, just based on the places that they were referencing. The art direction was totally different, but that's just because it's a more modern set and the art direction wasn't all over the place like it was back in 1996 and you can go back and listen to some of the set retros from like the first sets that we did probably up until the mirage block where i would always comment on those previous episodes that the art direction was all over the place and really just non-existent right there was no cohesiveness there was no world building like there was 
into the early 2000s to modern day now. There was a cycle of martyrs. I mentioned Martyr of Sands, I think last week or the week before the last set retro we had where it comboed with Proclamation of Rebirth. So that was a hot extended thing, I think, when I got back into Magic. Cold Snap and Ravnica were in extended at the time, which at the time was the last four years of sets. It was like double standard. There was pitch cards that were reminiscent of the Force of Will cycle. Force of Will, Contagion, Pyrokinesis, Bounty of the Hunt, and Scars of the Veteran. Was that the white one? I don't know. Now we have Sunscour, Commandeer, Soul Spike, Fury of the Horde, and Allosaurus Rider. And I think most of those cards all have seen play somewhere. Allosaurus Rider for sure, Fury of the Horde for sure, Commandeer for sure. So we'll cover one of those when we, we hit them. Snow permanents. Snow got their own permanent outside of just basic lands. So there was a few lands that that really cared about that and are still popular and expensive to this day. Foil snow lands from Cold Snap are, I think, still pretty expensive despite being reprinted with full frames in Modern Horizons. So those are cool. Not my favorite snow lands from, from Cold Snap, but still fine. And then, bone to pick with Wizards of the Coast. Bone to pick. There was a, a cycle of tricolored creatures. And this is where Garzazal, Zur the Enchanter, Sekuar, Deathkeeper, that's where these those legends came from. But the Bant one, Diamond Fairy, and the Naya one in particular, Tamanoa. Tamanoa, not legendary. And to this day... To this day, whenever I see a post on any big Facebook group, whatever, the EDH groups or on Twitter, hey, what creature do you wish is legendary but isn't? Every time I jump straight in there and I just yell Tamanoa. It's a 2-4 spirit for white, green, red. Whenever a non-creature source we control deals damage, we gain that much life. And I had a Tamanoa 60-4 and casual deck that just did earthquake and hurricane and just killed people with kind of mass damage like earthquake you know earthquake for one with 10 creatures gains me 10 life plus however many players are on the battlefield or players are in the game so that was my multiplayer deck and i routinely got up over 100 life in that deck and nobody could kill me and you know you just put shroud on tamanoa and it was oh so awesome should be legendary but that's if that's my only real qualm with the set i think that that's an okay qualm to have. So let's get let's get into the legendary creatures here, of which we have eight. We've got the infamous Arkham Dagson, a 2-2 human artificer for blue three. You can tap them. Target artifact creatures controller sacrifices it. Okay, so we're probably going to target our own and sacrifice our own thing. That player may search their library for a non-creature artifact, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. So we sacrifice our own thing and we get another thing. So we're turning a creature into a different artifact in our deck. Non-creature specifically. So we're kind of like polymorphing. So this is kind of like a a make an artifact mana dork token type thing. And then find our biggest comboiest piece. So Arkham Dagson was a very strong deck for a very long time. Even a CEDH deck if you will because it's mono blue. It's got all the best control and draw. And then they banned Paradox Engine, so the Arkham Degs and couldn't find their Paradox Engine anymore. But it's fine. Still a powerful commander. Next one up, we've got Darien, King of Keldor. And there's the Keldor name. That's one of the classic places in Dominaria during the Ice Age. This is a 3-3 for white, white, 4. Whenever we're dealt damage, we 
may put that many plus or that many one one white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield so this is gonna be the mass damage deck again kind of like Tamanoa was but we don't have access to green or red for those earthquake effects so it's a little bit of a control deck we don't mind taking damage even if it's our own damage because then we get soldiers couldn't be can be powerful if you're playing like the control deck into late game alpha strike deck so if you like that kind of stuff, if you like to play control, play control, play control, then flip a switch and just crush somebody's dreams, Darian might be your guy. We've got Garza's All Plague Queen. This is a 5-5 vampire flying in haste for red, black, blue, four. Whew. Whenever a creature dealt damage by Garza's All Plague Queen, this turn is put into the graveyard, put a plus one, plus one counter on Garza's All. So that's like classic vampire. That ability was on Singer Vampire way back in the day all the way as far back as Elfar Beta, or whenever Singer Vampire was printed. Her other ability is whenever she deals combat damage to a player, we draw a card. So if they don't want to block because they don't want her to get bigger, then we get to draw a card. So that is Ophidian. That, that ability is called Ophidian or Curiosity. Next up, we've got a 3-3 Zombie Knight in Hakan Stromgald Scourge. You can only cast him from your graveyard, but not from anywhere else. And he costs black, black, one. And as long as he's in play, you may play knight cards from your graveyard. When he's put into your graveyard from the battlefield, we lose two life. So we've got to do some tricks like command beacon or whatever to get him out of our command zone into our hand. And then into our graveyard. And then we can cast him. But all kinds of little tricksy things with Hakan. You can look up decks and EDH rec is going to tell you how to, how to do it. But other than that, not a very popular commander, though there are some very strong synergies when we can continuously cast knights out of our graveyard. Things like Nameless Inversion, where Nameless Inversion is an instant that kills things, but has all creature types. So because it's a knight, we can cast it from our graveyard. Very cool. We've got Hydar Rhymewind Master. A human wizard, 3-3 three, three for 5. You can pay 2, tap him, return target permanent to its owner's hand, but you can only play this ability if you control 4 or more snow permanents. This is not a commander that anybody should or would play, and it's probably just a meme deck or flavor deck. I'm sure he was rare and legendary for some balance standard purposes. I don't even remember this character, so I'm just going to move on. This one I do remember, though. This is Lavissa Cold Eyes, a 3-3 three, three human for red red three barbarians warriors and berserkers get plus two plus two and have haste so tribal for days mono red beats big axes tribal shirtless men wearing fur tribal you can name your thing you can find barbarians warriors and berserkers that are doing that thing based on lavisa cold eyes art you could make a flavor deck a meme deck but you could also make a pretty probably a pretty prolific multiple combat phase double damaging beat face aggro deck with lavisa and I should note that she did get a reprint with an alternate art in Dual Deck Mind versus Might. I'm not sure which one I like better. You can decide. You can look it up. But cool card. Cool card. Cool flavor. She was the leader of some tribes. In alliances, the, the alliances between Balduvia and Keldor, that was the alliance. And she was the leader of the, the Balduvian horde. So there's some flavor there too. And kind of a disappointment that she didn't get... A card way back from the day but this one's better than that one would have been so it all works out in the end really 
Next up, Sekuar, Death Greeter, Jund, and two for an Orc Shaman, 4-3. Whenever another non-token creature we control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, we get a 3-1 a black and red Graveborn creature token with haste. So this is a Jund sacrifice type thing, I suppose. Orc Tribal if you wanted, I don't know. Graveborn Tribal if you're playing Tombstone Stairwell from Mirage. Sure. Sekuar Death Greeter. There you go. Here's your underutilized Jund Commander. It's not all about Korvald and Prosh these days. Nope, back in 2006, Sekuar. And finally, Zur the Enchanter. Esper and one. That is black, blue, white, one. For a 1-4 flying human wizard, whenever Xur the Enchanter attacks, you may search your library for an enchantment card with CMC, three or less, put it onto the battlefield. Hold doggy. This is a strong card. You search for something that gives him shroud or protection from something. Cool, you can attack in unscathed next turn. You search for your necropotence or your combo piece, and you just go to town. And this is a very powerful card. Once thought of as... The cream of the crop, tier one EDH, kind of a long time ago, 10 years ago EDH, before it was like, before CEDH was a thing, people wanted to make that deck, right? Like that strong deck that was like their deck. And Zur was at the helm of a lot of them because he has, at the time, three of the best colors and a tutor ability on a stick and he flew very powerful. But these days, I think Zur exists just for the CCO podcast to make meme decks out of him. So check those out there. Onto the set proper. First one, we've got an Atacar Valkyrie. This is a 4-5 angel, flying vigilance for 6. You can tap it, and when you do, target creature other than Atacar Valkyrie is put into the graveyard this turn. When that happens, return that card into the battlefield under our control. So we can attack in if they block, we can tap, and when that creature dies, we get it. So she kind of gets stuff back out of the graveyard once per turn, sort of. Pretty cool. We've got Field Marshal. Other soldiers get plus one and have first strike. Jotun Grunts. This has got cumulative upkeep. Put two cards from a single graveyard on the bottom of their owner's library. And it's a 4-4 four, four for two. I actually played this in my zoo deck in Legacy like 100 years ago. This was the card that got stuff out of other people's graveyard. The Dredge player, the Sacrifice player. It got my fetch lands out. It was great against opposing Tarmogoyfs, but ultimately it was a non-bow with my Tarmogoyfs in Zoo when I'm trying to beat down Goblin players because Goblins sometimes would get bigger than 4-4, but not bigger than like a, maybe a 5-6 Tarmogoyf for 2 at the same mana cost, so eventually it got swapped out. But this could be a little bit of graveyard hate. It is a giant, it is a soldier, so those are kind of relevant creature types. Maybe a little bit of a hidden gem because... Two cards out of graveyards out of the out of a single graveyard per turn is pretty good graveyard hate. And nobody's gonna kill it because it's just a 4-4. So cool card. We've got Martyr of Sands. I think that this sees a little bit of play in the in the white inclusive life gainy decks. It's a 1-1 human cleric for one. Maybe like the Aristocrats decks, the Soul Sister decks, what have you. Anyways. You pay a colorless, reveal X white cards from your hand, sacrifice Martyr of Sands, gain three times X life. So like on turn two, let's say, you could reveal six or seven cards, you gain 18 or 21 life. The next turn, you use Proclamation of Rebirth and forecast it so it stays in your hand. You just reveal the Proclamation of Rebirth and you get your Martyr of Sands back into your hand from your or onto the battlefield from your graveyard with the proclamation so martyr proc was a deck 
and that can gain you serious life very early in the game if you have if you have either and even in a two color deck it's probably worth it if you're playing like mystical tutor you can find your proclamation or rebirth and just go ham like really early in the game pretty cool if life gains your jazz i guess but if there's not a lot of infect and there's not a lot of voltron running around you're gonna lose by your life total going down to zero from 40 so if you can make your life total like 60 or 80 by turn four or not maybe not turn four but by turn six that's pretty good it'll buy you a couple extra turns for sure okay two in a row here we've got commandeer this is an instant for blue blue five you may remove two blue cards in your hand from the game rather than pay commandeer's mana cost that is reminiscent of the force of will pitch card cycle you pitch a card you get it out of here you can cast it for free well this one you got to pitch two blues and when you do you can cast it for free instead of seven you gain control of target non-creature spell you may choose new targets for the copy so you can take somebody's spell you just gain it you gain control of it it's control on the stack goes to you and you can choose new targets and stuff pretty powerful but card disadvantage maybe if it's a card draw thing maybe if it's like an insurrection maybe it's worth it then but seven or two cards Eh. doesn't see as much play as it once did in commander of old the next one controvert this is blue blue two for an instant counter target spell also recover blue blue two so when a creature is put into our graveyard from the battlefield we may pay blue blue two if we do return this card from the your graveyard to your hand otherwise you exile controvert so of course there's better blue blue two counter spells even better blue blue two bounce draw cards out there like this card is not good but if you're looking for budget ways to get double usage out of your counter spells in your big mana decks this is probably okay all right scourge of legacy for many years this is counterbalance and i've seen this played in edh this is an enchantment for blue blue whenever an opponent plays a spell we may reveal the top card of our library if we do counter that spell if it has the same converted mana cost as the revealed card this would combo with sensei's divining top where in legacy and at the time extended people are playing one and two and three drops and you can spin your top to look at your top three cards of your library and reorder them so when you reveal off of the counterbalance trigger you revealed something that would counter their spell you put counterbalance and top in the same deck as like a chalice of the void and nobody could land anything and it was miserable it took so long to always constantly you know all the reasons that top is banned well a lot of them are because of counterbalance or the 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 feeling that people got with top and counterbalance just like top and fetch lands more contemporarily i think for the most part it's top that's the problem but things like counterbalance and fetch lands in the format didn't help how about perilous research we play black cards that say at instant speed sacrifice a creature or artifact draw two cards well what about perilous research blue one draw two cards then sacrifice a permanent we could sacrifice any permanent we want and draw two for two that isn't a bad deal if we want to trigger dies effects it isn't bad if we want something in our graveyard and instant speed draw two for two pretty good pretty good oh baby all right first black card herald of lashrak cool name first of all lashrak awesome character in the novels very cool this is a two four avatar flies costs black six so two four flyer for seven not that good but cumulative upkeep gain control of a land you don't control 
Okay, and as a refresher, cumulative upkeep is at the beginning of your upkeep, put an age counter on this permanent, then sacrifice it unless you pay its upkeep cost for each counter that's on it. So paying this thing's cumulative upkeep cost means take a land we don't control for every age counter on it. So the first time you untap becomes your upkeep, you gain control of a land. Next time you untap it, your upkeep get two. Next turn you get three. Next turn you get four if it lasts that long. So you're stealing lands from everybody. And Herald of Lashrak gets plus one, plus one for each land you control, but don't own. <laughs> cool. When Herald of Lashrak leaves play, each player gains control of each land he or she owns that, that we control. So we have to give them all back when it dies. But very powerful card despite being six mana. This might be the kind of thing that you you search up early game with your Entomb or your Buried Alive and you reanimate it because it doesn't cost as much as some other really good reanimation targets. And it was just reprinted in Mystery Booster Foils. So you can get foils of that guy for like 50 cents. So pretty cool. It turns out that I'm skimming over a lot of the cards in the set because it wasn't that prolific of an EDH set like it was just another extra set in standard so there's nothing that was very powerful in it i mean there was some good cards like counterbalance and stuff but nothing hugely impressive we've got a braid of fire and remember cumulative upkeep in this set saw some very weird upkeep costs and you got to remember that mana burn did exist at this time so when you moved through the different steps of a phase and through the different phases of a turn unused mana in your mana pool would cause you damage it would dissipate into nothing just like it does now but it would also cause you damage and that was something that was true up until the m10 rules changes when they released magic corset 2010 so braid of fire is an enchantment for red one cumulative upkeep add red to your mana pool every turn you get an extra red extra red extra red and you'd have to use it during your upkeep upkeep or else it would start to burn you so you got to have lots of instant speed stuff or lots of stuff that has activated abilities that you can pay the red into. So the Pyrohemias or red inclusive commanders with activated abilities so you could always have access to an activated ability out of the command zone. Braid of Fire. And that card started to get expensive. The Cold Snap version, 17 bucks. The Mystery Booster Foil, 4 bucks. So if you want to if you want to Ice Age foil one, that is going to be $45. All right, Fury of the Horde. This is the red pitch two. So you exile two red cards from your hand instead of paying seven for this. But when you do, untap all creatures that attack this turn. After this main phase, there's an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase. So this is a double combat phase card. Just remember, untap all creatures that attacked this turn. You're only going to untap creatures that attacked this turn. So if they tap for other reasons, you're not going to untap them. So just corner case, but just keep it in mind powerful card because you can you can get it a, a second combat step and phase for free very cool we've got into the north in this set this is rampant growth this is literally rampant growth but for snow lands so it's a sorcery for green one search your library for a snow land put it onto the battlefield tap then shuffle so if you're looking for a second copy of rampant growth or nature's lore that's it just like boreal druid is a colorless version of Llanowar Elves or Elvish Mystic where it's a 1-1 for just green. It's a snow creature, so that's kind of cool. It's got a super type snow on there. It's relevant sometimes. But you can tap it for a colorless. So it, it does it does what Llanowar Elf does except for a colorless. 
Here's another little one that I really like, but I, I don't currently have in a deck. This is Juniper Ordered Ranger, a 2-4 human knight for white, green, 3. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under our control, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on that creature and a plus 1 counter on Juniper Order Ranger. So it's like a little mini, mini creature version of Cathar's Crusade. So that's a pretty powerful card. It just makes every creature you play a little bit bigger, and Juniper Order Ranger itself a little bit bigger. Sneaky powerful. And speaking of sneaky powerful, we've got a couple pretty powerful artifacts in this set. We've got a Cold Steel Heart. This is a snow artifact. Enters a battlefield tapped at two mana. When it enters a battlefield, choose a color, and you can add a mana of that color to your mana pool. So that is a two CMC mana rock that gives you a mana. I know everybody likes the two CMC mana rock, so remember, Cold Steel Heart exists, and it is good. And here we go couple last ones to uh, to finish out the set. We've got Phyrexian Ironfoot, Phyrexian Snow Crusher, Phyrexian Soul Gorger. All snow artifact creatures, constructs, and juggernauts. My favorite being the 8-8 Cumulative Upkeep Sacrifice a Creature for 3 mana in Phyrexian Soul Gorger. Cool art, cool card. It's an 8-8 for 3. I mean, you just can't go wrong. Can't go wrong, especially in decks that you want to sacrifice stuff in. The other two, the the Iron Foot and the Snow Crusher, I didn't mention this, but they have the little snow emblem in the in the text box, and essentially what that means is you can any mana made by a snow permanent is snow mana. I guess we didn't cover that in the in the technical section. That little snowflake pip is mana generated from a snow permanent. So just remember that if you see any cards like that. Mana generated from a snow land is still mana of the color of whatever basic land type that that mana has or that land card has, but it's also snow mana. I don't know if that's ever going to be relevant unless you're playing like the snow deck, but you never know. You run into those Phyrexian theme decks, you might see that. So finally, Thrumming Stone. This is a legendary artifact or five. Spells you control have Ripple 4. So remember, that is going to give your cards the ability to reveal the top four cards to your library. Anything that matches, like has a matching name to what we just cast, like Relentless Rats or Persistent Petitioners, what have you, is going to let us cast those for free, thus revealing the next four and the next four and the next four. If we have, let's say, like 30 Relentless Rats in our deck. So that's why that card's good. That's the last card or the last card that we would play that isn't a land. We've got some specialty lands here, Dark Depths, Legacy All-Star. I think it's he's playing Commander. This is a legendary Snowland. Enters a battlefield with 10 ice counters on it. You could pay three and remove an ice counter. And when you remove the last ice counter, when it has none on it, you sacrifice it and you get a 2020 Merit Lage indestructible avatar token onto the battlefield. So very powerful creature, very hard to deal with, wins you games when you have it. And there's ways to cheat those off, remove all remove all counters like with Vampire Hex Mage or Hex Parasite, what have you. We've got Mouth of Renom, another Snowland. You can pay Snow and 4, tap it, sacrifice it, and it deals 4 damage to target creature. So that's removal on a land that can be useful in the Snow deck that can afford the, the colorless land. And finally, we've got Scrying Sheets. Taps for colorless. You can, go, you can Snow and 1 and tap it to look at the top card of your library. If that card is a Snow you may reveal it and put it into your hand. So this finds you, this draws you other Snowlands if your entire deck is just Snowlands. Could be useful, could kind of be like card draw in the snow dot deck. And if that is you, remember, they did have Snowlands in Ice Age proper. They had Snowlands, Snow Basics, I should say, in Cold Snap alongside 
snow dual lands that didn't have land types. But if you're playing guild gates in your snow deck, you could use your Tressorhorn Sinks, your Highland Wield. You could use these Frost Marsh, Arctic Flats, and Boreal Shelf. You could use those. Or you could use the Modern Horizons one. My point is, is there's multiple instances of snowlands that give you multiple colors in each basic land type. And you can diversify your mana base, have those trolley mismatched if you want. Or you can pick and choose whichever one fits in your deck the best from a flavor standpoint. So that's a little bit about what it's a little bit of what it's about, and I wanted to mention that. So that's Cold Snap. Like I said, very nostalgic, pretty cool, very enjoyable for me to come back to that and see all that nostalgia that I missed when I was kind of out of the game for those couple years in the mid-2000s. I skipped over a lot of the stuff that you know people might say, hey, this hidden gem and that and that and Maybe it was a little bit too edge case. So if you have any of those cards that you like, get at me on Twitter at CadPopCast. Shoot me a message. Shoot me an email through CadPopCast at gmail.com or the Commander Ad Populum Facebook group. I'd love to hear from you. If you're on the Discord channel because you're a patron, big thank you. You can get at me there. Let me know how you like the set retro for today. Get your questions in for MTG Wellness, MTG Fitness. And of course, we'll have some quick hits available when the guests are announced on the Discord channel. So with that, I will say one last big thank you to FusionGamingOnline.com. They are the official sponsors of Commander Ad Popular. I mean, you can go there for all of your Ice Age block needs and all of your Cold Snap needs, all your gaming needs in general. Big pleasure working with those guys. Got some big things to come. They're helping out with some future YouTube content. Can't wait to unveil that. But until then, everybody, I will see you next Wednesday.